This is Dr. Don Russell. I'm a board-certified general OBGYN with over 20 years of practice experience. SheSpace is a place where I can share my experience, recommendations, and knowledge, some would say opinion, on women's health ranging from general health to menopause to pregnancy and everything in between. Today's topic is keeping a bun out of the oven, otherwise known as contraception. So I want to start out noting that choosing a contraceptive method is really about your choice, your preferences, and your control. So there are many options available these days, and from the beginning I'm going to point out that I'm going to be talking about mostly options that are female controlled and led. When the question comes up is, are there male contraceptives yet outside of condoms? And the answer is not yet. But the research is being done on reversible male contraception, but it has been being done for a long time. So most of us shouldn't hold our breath and should make our choices based on our own female preferences. So let's dive in by just talking about the major categories of contraception. So first of all, you can physically block the sperm and egg from meeting. And that general category goes to condoms, diaphragms, sponges, chemically blocking like spermicides, and another physical blocking, which is the cervical cap. I'll go back to the specifics of these later after I've done an overview. The next thing we can do is simply stop the egg from coming out altogether, so stopping ovulation. And in those methods, we have the, the Depo-Provera shot, we have the birth control pill, the birth control patch, the birth control ring, and then we also have a progesterone implant. The next category comes to just plain kind of blocking the uterus to make it not very hospitable for implantation. And that main category involves the IUDs. So we have both copper and progesterone IUDs. The next category is permanent, so sterilization. Now it's important to know that when we talk about these, they are not actually reversible. It is true that very specialized doctors can go in and attempt to surgically reverse these procedures once they have occurred, but this is a difficult and not always completely successful operation. So when you choose a sterilization method, you should be 158% sure that you are done having children for whatever your personal or family reasons are. Then there's also the methods that we all consider a little bit questionable only because we know that they require a lot of self-control and absolute sticking to the rules. And those are things like abstinence, the pull-out or withdrawal method, and then fertility awareness, which is a woman knowing about her cycle. And again, we'll go into those in a little while. And then the last method is more of the once the horse is out of the barn, so the afterward, the emergency contracepts, contraceptions. And we'll talk about those at the end of this. So let's go back to the top of our list and talk a little bit about each of the types, just briefly. So first of all, we were talking about the physical and chemical blocks. So these are things that physically stop the sperm from getting on into the system. So these are condoms. 
So condoms come in two forms. One is the male condom that most of us are most familiar with. And the other is the internal or sometimes called the female condom. Now the female condom, we'll start with that, is a little more awkward to use because it goes inside the female vagina. But it does give the woman some control. The thing to know about that is the FXC rate is about 79%. The male condom, which we're familiar with, that goes on the male penis, is about 87%. Now those are both perfect use, and that means the condom has to go on the penis correctly, and it has to go on the penis before there is any sort of penetration from the penis to the vagina. So it's important that this not occur after you begin intercourse, and it's important that it stay on throughout the entire intercourse. It's also important to note that those are the only methods that we have of truly avoiding sexually transmitted diseases or infection. So I would never minimize condoms because they're incredibly important in the minimization of risk for sexually transmitted infections. Now next I mentioned the diaphragm. So the diaphragm has been around a long time. Um, it's a plastic ring with a bottom in it, so it's a solid ring really, that goes into the vagina again to kind of cover the cervix, not exactly, but mostly, in order to block the semen from going into the uterus. It's used best with spermicide. In fact, it really needs to be used with spermicide. And the catch is that you have to think about your timing of intercourse because it has to go in before any intercourse occurs and it has to stay in for a few hours afterwards. So it takes some thought, but can be useful for those who don't really like condoms and don't want to be using any of the hormonal methods. The cervical cap is in a similar category, and that's a cap that fits directly over the cervix. Can be a little trickier to put in only because you have to know where to put it. And it is also best used with spermicide. So efficacy rates, the cervical cap is reported to be 71 to 86% effective, and diaphragm as 83% effective. Now it's worth noting that all of the effectiveness percentages that I'm reporting to you are real-time use. So these are real use, not lab use. So the ones that would actually apply to people. Now the last kind of blocking, two blocking methods that we talk about are really more chemical in that they're spermicide or spermicide embedded. So one is the sponge, which was off the market for a while but now is back. So that is a, looks like a sponge, it's embedded with spermicide and it's placed inside the vagina prior to intercourse. Its rates are reported to be 73 to 86% effective. The spermicides themselves are a gel or a liquid that goes inside the vagina to, just like I say, kill off sperm. So their reported rates are 79% effective and again, requires some forethought. So our next category of birth control is really the ones that stop ovulation and so are probably the more common of the ones the doctors deal with. So let's start out with the shot. So the Depo-Provera shot is a shot of progesterone that you get every three months. That is enough progesterone that over those three months it interrupts that discussion between the head and the ovary that produces ovulation and it prevents that discussion so that you don't ovulate. Now, the shot is 96% effective, which is pretty fantastic. But there are side effects. 
um, mostly being related to that amount of progesterone can cause some irregular bleeding. Now over time, bleeding tends to get less with the shot. And some women even don't have bleeding on the shot, but it's not predictable and we don't know what the effects are gonna be on each individual woman. But the ease is obvious in that you just have to come in and get a shot every three months and it's very effective. The next idea along those lines of progesterone interrupting the conversation from the brain to the ovary is the implant. Now this is called Nexplanon, and it's a small implant about the size of a toothpick that goes underneath the skin in your arm. So it's very easy to place. It's pretty painless to place, just a little bit of numbing medication. And it's good for three years, which of course is fantastic amount of time. And it's also pretty much the most effective birth control available. And that's that it's 99% effective. So again though, because it's progesterone and because it's over a long time, the bleeding pattern can be incredibly unpredictable. And so you have to be ready for that. Now moving on to the other methods that stop ovulation. These are methods that work more kind of with your cycle and that they are designed to be three weeks of estrogen and progesterone in a level that kills that conversation between the head and the ovary so that you don't actually make an egg, but then having a week off of these hormones, which directs the uterus to actually have a cycle or a period. So these methods are the pill, the patch, and the ring. And all of them are originally designed, as I just discussed, where it's three weeks of the hormone and then a week off. Now, over the last few years, they've developed a lot of little changes in that and that there may be a few less days than one week off of the hormones or a little bit of change in them, but they still all work with that same basic design in mind. So with the pill, you take a pill every day. With the patch, you apply a, pa a new patch every week for three weeks in a row and then have a week off. And with the ring, you insert a ring into your vagina and that stays there for three weeks and then you remove it for a week to have a week off. Now, all of these methods can be used to also potentially skip a period, but I would definitely encourage you to talk to your provider about the pluses and minuses of doing that before just trying on your own, although it is very safe. So these three methods really come about from preference. So the pill, you absorb the hormones from the stomach, the patch, you absorb the hormones from your skin, and the ring, you absorb the hormones through your vagina. And that's gonna be a personal preference about which way you would like to use your contraception. It is important to note that the pill patch and ring, because of the estrogen that exists in them, do increase, increase the risk of a blood clot, a deep blood clot, like in your thigh or your lungs, by a tiny amount. This is not a large amount, but it is the one risk that we need to talk about which also means that if you've had a history of a blood clot, you are not a candidate for these methods and or you are older, which is an increased risk for blood clot, and you smoke. So again, these are important things that you should mention to your provider if you're discussing one of these methods. So next I wanna talk about IUDs. So IUDs are a very effective and convenient method for birth control they're inserted through the cervix and into the uterus where they sit. Now, what they do from there is variable from releasing a small amount of progesterone in the progesterone IUDs to just more like causing a little bit of irritation 
like the copper IUD, but both IUDs work to some degree by inhibiting the passage of semen a bit, both progesterone and copper do that, and also causing a small inflammatory reaction in the uterus which doesn't allow implantation. So let's talk about the two types of IUDs. So one is copper. This again um, it has copper wrapped around the little T of the IUD. It's placed in the uterus and can be there for up to 10 years as an effective birth control method. The side effect of it is that it does tend to cause slightly heavier periods, especially in the first one to two years of use. So for people who have heavy periods in the first place, this would be an important discussion with your provider before choosing this method. The other set of IUDs all release a small amount of progesterone to the lining of the uterus. What this does is thins the lining of the uterus so that in the end, they will lighten the amount of bleeding you have rather than increasing it, and even may absolutely eliminate your period, which is a very safe thing to do under these circumstances. Overall, the IUDs are quoted to have an efficacy rate of 99.2 to 99.9%. So they are a fantastic method of birth control. I mentioned the time on the copper as 10 years, and the other IUDs range from three to six years, depending on the type. So again, this would be a conversation with your provider. The only risks to the IUDs are that, that sometimes they can be slightly painful to place, but this is a quick placement, and there are risks of having difficulty placing or going through the uterus, but these are very small risks. Again, something that you would speak about with your provider if this is a method that you're choosing. All right, next we're talking about permanent, so sterilization. So there are two obvious ways to do this. One is to sterilize the female, the other is to sterilize the male. Now sterilization simply means that we're going to block the passage of either the egg or the sperm. So in the case of female sterilization, this means blocking the fallopian tube or removing it so that the egg cannot transport to the uterus. This involves a surgery. So it is a minor surgery, however those risks are important to discuss with your provider. The male form of sterilization involves cutting the vas deferens, which is the tube that carries the semen from the testes through the penis. This is more of a minor surgery that can be done in the office under local anesthesia with very few expected risks or side effects. Again, I emphasize that if a family is choosing sterilization, they should be very sure that they do not want to have any more children and that it is a celebration to close that door. Next, let's talk about self-control. So the first topic under that would be abstinence. So needless to say, I think needless to say, abstinence, true abstinence, not having sex, is 100% effective at avoiding having children. However, it also requires an amount of self-knowledge and control that is not always possible in human beings. So we don't always count this as a birth control method, but if we're being honest, it is a birth control method. And of course, one you would consider if it's appropriate for you. Next is the pull-out or withdrawal method. And some fancy people call this coitus interruptus. What this means is that the male needs to pull out of the vagina before any pre-ejaculate or ejaculate. This means he has to have a lot of control as well as knowledge of his own body about when to pull out of the vagina. 
That is why it's not necessarily that effective, depending on the male and female, because it does require a level of control that is often beyond a human being. However, if you are perfect user, so you do pull out before the pre-ejaculate, it's quoted as being 80% effective. As a sideline and pure opinion, I will tell you that most providers would not agree with the 80%, and that's probably because we're seeing most of the time that it can't be perfectly used. And then the last method can be a little bit more reasonable, and that's fertility awareness. So in a woman who knows her cycle, can track her cycle very well, and has a very regular cycle, there are a lot of signs of fertility as well as timing that indicates fertility that she could use to either use a different method of birth control like condoms during her fertile time or abstain. Again, this one has to be used under very controlled circumstances, meaning a woman really has to know her body and has to track very carefully. But when it's used correctly, it's quoted as being 77 to 98%. I can tell you that the 98% would only be with somebody with very good control and incredible tracking methods. Although these days, this is sometimes a little bit easier because there are a lot of phone apps out there that can help you do this. And then last, I wanna talk about the, okay, nothing else worked and you realize that you've been exposed. Either it's a broken condom or you had sex without thinking about it, but the emergency contraception methods. So these can be decently effective at avoiding a pregnancy, but they have to be used very soon to immediately after you've been exposed to the sperm. So it has to be within five days. There is um, about basically three kind of general ideas of doing this. One, if you can get in touch with your healthcare provider, placing a Paragard, a copper IUD, within five days of that exposure can be a very effective method of preventing pregnancy. There is also some prescription emergency contraceptions that your provider can also um, prescribe for you. And then plan B is available without a prescription. So this is another method of chemically trying to interrupt potential implantation that can be used if you realize that you've had an oops moment. So after hearing about all of these methods, I want to emphasize a couple of things. One, many of them are incredibly reasonable to choose. And you should not feel pushed by anybody or friends or family or even your provider on picking a specific one just because somebody else likes it. It's very important that you pick the method that's going to work for you and your partner or just you. And it's very important that you pick a method that you can stick with. So for instance, if you know that you can't remember a pill every day, please don't choose the birth control pill. Talk to your provider about another option because we want you to choose something that you can use and that you're happy with. I'd like to end this podcast with a very, very important resource. There is a fantastic website out there called bedsider.org, B-E-D-S-I-D-E-R.org. This website is an excellent resource for reviewing the birth control methods I just talked about and also has many real life experiences. So it's not as if it's just the company talking about the method or science. So I would really encourage anybody who's trying to think about the method of birth control that's right for them and to choose the right thing for them to go to that website and then talk to your provider. Let's keep that bun out of the oven. Unless of course you want the bun in the oven and that's a conversation for another podcast.